engines were screaming as the plane headed inexorably earthward. Jack Stapleton watched in terror, knowing that his family was aboard and there was nothing he could do. The plane was going to crash. Jack was mercifully yanked from the clutches of his recurrent nightmare, and he sat bolt upright in bed. His telephone was relentlessly shattering the night. Jack's eyes shot to the face of his radio alarm clock. It was 4.30 in the morning. As he reached for the phone, he remembered all too well the night eight years ago when he'd been awakened by a phone call, informing him that his wife and two children had perished. Uh-oh, I think I woke you up, said a woman's voice. I don't know why you'd think that, said Jack. Who is this? It's Lori. Oh, I'm sorry I've woken you. It couldn't be helped. She giggled. <laughs> I want to have dinner with you tonight. Oh, this has got to be a joke, said Jack. No joke. It's important. I have to talk with you. I'll tell you where when I see you at the office later on this morning, okay? I suppose. Perfect, said Lori. See you then. He hung up the phone and stared at it in the darkness. He'd known Lori Montgomery for more than four years as a colleague in the office of the chief medical examiner for the city of New York. He'd also known her as a friend. In fact, more than a friend. And in all that time, she'd never called him so early in the morning. Jack dropped back onto his pillow, but it was soon apparent that more sleep was not in the offing. At 6.45, showered and breakfasted, Jack hefted his mountain bike from where it leaned against the living room wall. Emerging on West 106th Street, Jack climbed onto his purple bike and headed for Central Park. Commuting to and from the office, Jack indulged his self-destructive streak, a twice-daily hair-raising walk on the wild side. Jack believed he had nothing more to lose. His reckless cycling, a habitual temptation of fate, was a way of saying that if his family had to die, he should have been with them, and maybe he'd join them yet. Jack arrived at the medical examiner's office, parked his bike on the ground floor, and made his way up to the ID room. He said hello to Dr. George Fontworth, a corpulent medical examiner colleague who was Jack Sr. in the office hierarchy by seven years. George was just starting his weekly stint as the person who reviewed the previous night's reported deaths, deciding which would be autopsied and by whom. <sighs> what do you have for me? asked Jack. One of the things that Jack loved about being a medical examiner was that he never knew what each day would bring. Well, I do have an infectious case, said George, although I don't think it's particularly interesting. It's yours if you want it. Jack took the folder. The name was Jason Papyrus. Oh, mighty potent case of flu, he commented, noting that the deceased had been in the hospital for less than 24 hours. Well, do you want it or not? asked George. <laughs> if you don't, I've got an overdose you can do. I'll take it, said Jack. Passing through communications... Jack caught sight of a light on in Sergeant Murphy's cubbyhole office. He glanced inside. Sitting across from Murphy was Detective Lieutenant Lou Soldano of Homicide, a frequent visitor to the morgue. Next to him was a man Jack didn't recognize. Jack, called Lou when he caught sight of him. Come in here a minute. I want you to meet someone. Jack stepped into the tiny room. This is Special Agent Gordon Tyrell, said Lou gesturing toward the man sitting next to him. What's going on here? asked Jack. I can't remember the last time I saw the sergeant here this early. 
Murphy laughed and started to protest, but Lou interrupted. And there was a homicide last night that the FBI's particularly concerned about. We're hoping the autopsy may shed some light. Well, what kind of case? <laughs> a little of everything. The body's a mess. He's a 22-year-old Caucasian skinhead. What, you mean one of those kids with Nazi tattoos? <laughs> you got it, said Lou. What, don't these kids usually beat up minorities? said Jack. What happened? Someone fight back? Skinheads fight each other as much as they attack others, said Gordon. This is a case in point. Well, why so much interest in this one? asked Jack. Brad Cassidy had been recruited by us as a potential informant, said Gordon. He'd plea bargain a handful of felonies in return for cooperation. He was trying to find and penetrate an organization called the People's Aryan Army. I've never heard of them, said Jack. That's a shadowy group. There's been some disturbing references to an upcoming major event. We're worried they might be...